Hello, it is Sunday, February 28th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I'm going to start off by looking a little bit at, at UFC Vegas 20, and we'll go, we'll start at uh, Ronnie Lawrence. Ronnie Lawrence looked fantastic. Um, he, he just totally dominated that fight from start to finish. And I, I think he's a bantamweight you really want to watch out for. Um, so if you see Ronnie Lawrence's next fight, circle that. Make sure you keep an eye on him. I expect him to get a pretty big jump up in competition because he was just overwhelming um, against Vince Cachero. It was a um, just a one-sided battle, and Lawrence was... Everything was on his side. Uh, Alexis Davis and Sabino Mazzo. Davis hadn't fought for quite a while. She was on a three-fight losing streak. Obviously, by the odds, the UFC wanted Mazzo to win this fight and send Davis out to pasture, I'm going to guess, since it would have been her fourth straight loss. That did not work out. Davis was just uh, better on the ground, uh, threatened submissions, and... Her opponent had no answer for that, and that shows a lack of training and a lack of knowledge of what what Davis was was going to attempt in this fight. Uh, you knew she was going to do her best to get the fight to the ground, and there was no answer for that, and so that was kind of disappointing. Thiago Moises fought a smart fight against Alexander Hernandez. He was calm. He stayed poised. Hernandez put himself out of position. Hernandez got frustrated, and Moises just beat him. Um, Hernandez is is someone who I think his cockiness has gotten to him. He's too confident, perhaps. Too confident, too cocky. He needs to, in my opinion, he needs to just sh- shut everything down and start fresh. He needs a new camp. Uh, a new outlook, a new training trainer, a new style, and he he should just start all over. He's still pretty young. He's talented, but I think he's just too cocky. And maybe his coaches and team are afraid to work with him and tell him what he needs to do. But if he doesn't reset, his career is going to flounder. And and in a, in a sport that doesn't pay all that much, if you're all in on this, you need to do your best to get to the next level. And I don't see Alexander Hernandez getting to that next level until he, um, you know, humbles himself a little bit and starts to listen to someone with a little bit of knowledge that can, that can work with him. He just looked... Um, I think he's the kind of person who thinks he's better than he really is. And that happens, but you also need to know at some point you need to listen to people and take their advice or you're going to, you know, fail in the long run. Alex Caceres uh, overwhelmed Kevin Kroom. Caceres is just 32. He's been with the UFC almost 10 years, and he's on the longest winning streak of his UFC career. So he's going to get a bump up. Um, He might actually get a ranked opponent in his next fight. I don't know how he's going to do. 
But 10 years in and on the longest winning streak, maybe things have come together for Caceres finally. Um, he's, I wouldn't say he's a wildly popular fighter, but he is a popular fighter, and I think people are happy for him. So, you know, give him a chance, see what he has to offer, and perhaps he uh, impresses. Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera put on the fight of the night. Uh, Munoz just blasted the lead leg of Rivera with calf kicks. At some point, I don't know if they were joking or semi-joking or semi-serious, but someone said that they maybe you make the calf kick illegal, which is asinine because that's the kind of logic that you would say make you know a head kick illegal, make a liver kick illegal. It's a it's one technique. And right now, you know, you can't check them really, but maybe there's a way to uh, develop something to avoid them, to counter anything. But to make a, a legal technique illegal just because people are having a hard time dealing with it right now, well, that is beyond silly. And I'm hoping it was a joke, but John Anik said that he had heard him you know make that illegal before so it's like the oblique kick that john jones throws why make something illegal that is totally legal and an established technique just because people can't deal with it right now is no reason to to make it illegal it's silly it's short-sighted anyway pedro muñoz and jimmy rivera fantastic fight i don't know how rivera was standing i mean he fell a bunch of times but Come the end of the fight, he was still standing, so good for him. Uh, good win for Munoz, moves him up, um, and we'll see where he goes. The flyweight fight by Buena Silva and De La Rosa. The question on that one was, did Jern Vallel do the right thing by taking the point away from Buena Silva when she grabbed the fence to prevent a takedown? And I can see both sides of this. I can see the point being taken away as legit because... It stopped the technique. I can see, excuse me, Villel um, saying we're just going to put it on the ground and not taking a point and using a warning. Uh, I can see maybe giving De La Rosa a choice. I don't know what the rules say on that, but so that's a that's a big, 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 big maybe. But I'm okay with the point because of what it uh, it stopped the the takedown from taking place. I, I've seen people argue either way. John McCarthy said that Villel did the right thing, but he should have restarted them against the fence. And uh, so it was a bit of a weird situation because we so often see just warnings in that in that spot. And I think that's the biggest concern I have is consistency from referee to referee to fight card to fight card. If, you, if one referee is going to call it, every referee should call it because... We need consistency and balance. And if you get multiple fence grabs in a on a fight card and every referee calls it differently, well, then the fighters don't know what's going on. So the bigger concern is calling things properly and consistently across events and across referees. That maybe is a discussion the referees could have before fights with the uh, with the fighters, with the commission, with the UFC, but. Yeah, that's my biggest concern is who is and isn't calling things consistently. Cyril Gahn and Jarzino Rosenstruck. Gahn looked fantastic. 
He was technical. He used his length, his jab, and his speed and athleticism to win the fight. He limited Rosenstruck's counters. He did he did that by using, for the most part, single strikes in his in his output in his offense, and by being just faster than Rosenstruck, he avoided the counters. A few times he threw. Um, uh, more than one strike, and that gave Rosenstruck a, a, a an opening. He uh, gone avoided that opening, avoided getting hit on those openings quite a lot. Um, and I thought Gon looked good. I know he got a little criticism, but I think the criticism was misplaced. If you were a fighter, and and in this case, Gone. Gon did a great job of employing his, making his pl- plan work. Rosenstruck could not counter that plan. So the blame, if there's blame to go here, it doesn't go on the man that, that, that set the pace and set the way the fight was going to take place. It goes against the, the fighter who couldn't stop that other fighter from doing what they wanted to do. So if you want an exciting fight, well, figure out how to stop this guy from doing what he wants. It's not on Gon to to adjust when he's winning the fight. It's on the other fighter. And um, I know Dana White had some shitty things to say about this. And White, let's not forget White's main job. He's a promoter. And if he's running down a fighter after a fight because he didn't like the fight, well, that's a shitty job as a promoter. But what it really does is, is it limits the income possibilities for that fighter. So Gon, who I think was only in his eighth fight, one, he's unbeaten, and people are having a hard time figuring him out. Well, that's not his problem, and that's not his fault. He's going to keep doing what he has been doing to get the win. And yes, contrary to what Michael Bisping and Paul Felder said, the win is the most important thing. Because one, it doubles your pay. Two, it increases your pay for the next fight, and it moves you up the rankings. Now, if you don't like the way the guy fights, tough shit. The win is the most important thing. Dana White doesn't 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 feel that way, so he shits on fighters who don't fight the way he wants. And we know Dana White wants a guy to walk out of that octagon with a brain injury, and Gon walked out of the octagon unscathed, which is not what Dana White wants because that's not what sells. But that's not again that's not Gon's problem. His problem is I'm going to win the fight. Tough shit what you think about it. That's my that's my take on it. And here's what White had to say. According to Yahoo Sports, everyone's talking about Gon being this big contender, but look what Francis and Gano did to Rosenstrike. This was his coming out party and his chance to show the world who he is. He won, but let's leave it at that. He won. Yeah, he did. And that's his job to win. It's the other guy's job to to make him fight a different fight. That didn't happen. And I don't care what Francis Ngannou did to Rosenstrick. They're two different fighters. They fight two different ways. Now, you might prefer one over the other, but they both won. So, tough shit to Dana White. And I, don't, I, st- I will never understand how he runs down his own fighters and, and just badmouths them in the press. Um, and one of Gon's coaches had this to say, which is makes 100% make sense. What I would say to Dana is that you need two people to make a good fight. If there's one guy in there 
holding on and trying not trying to fight it's not the same thing as you saw from gone tonight certainly the kid has to improve but there's no way you can say oh you saw what francis did and so he should have have to no look i'm not impressed with someone who comes out and rushes swinging and just catches sometime someone compare that to a clinic where he's making the fight and breaking him down and doing all of this and that's what gone did he used his skill set one to make the other fighter look bad two to win the fight three to absorb no damage that is a dominant performance and i know a lot of people prefer just swanging and banging but is that skill no that's quite often especially in a heavyweight division luck luck can define who gets knocked out and who doesn't if there's no skill involved and if it's just a a, a slugfest and if it's me and if i'm a coach i want my fighter to go out there and win take the least amount of damage, be able to return to the to training and to the octagon as soon as possible to make the most money they can. Because again, this is prize fighting. It's not always just entertainment, despite what Dana White wants to believe. And keep moving up the rankings. Now, eventually, Gon's going to run into someone who can figure out what he's doing. And when that happens, we'll see if he has other options. But until then... Why risk your your health and livelihood just to entertain Dana White? That's silly. Um, so to criticize Gon is misplaced. White and everyone that's criticizing him should criticize his opponents. And until someone can make him change up his style and put him to the test, I would implore him to to uh, ignore everyone who's doubting him and bad mouthing him because. They're not in there fighting. They're not in there fighting for a win to get double their money. He is. So until then, everyone should probably just shut up about Cyril Gunn. Paul Acosta, if we saw, he got, as we saw in September, he got knocked out by Israel Adesanya. And it took him from September until this past week to come up with an excuse as to why he lost. And... Let's just say his reasoning is lacking, and uh, I'm not buying it. So here's what he said. And this was on his YouTube page, and MMA Fighting had it. I was kind of drunk when I fought maybe uh, hangover. I couldn't sleep because of leg cramps. Keep in mind that the fight happens at 9 a.m. local time. We have to wake up at 5 to get ready, stretch, wrap the hands. The UFC told us to wake up at 5 in the morning to get to the arena to fight. I hadn't slept until 2.30. It was my mistake, and I don't blame anyone else. It was something I chose to do, but in order to try to sleep, because I had to sleep since I was awake for 24 hours, I had wine, too much wine, a bottle of wine to try to black out. I had a glass, didn't work. Two glasses, it didn't work. Half a bottle, it didn't work. I had it all. Come on now. You're a professional athlete, and your method to fall asleep is to get drunk. I'm not buying this, and if I am, and if it is true, well then... Paul Acosta needs a better camp. He should have got to Fight Island sooner, acclimated his body to the to the time change, trained during the uh, during the day, slept, uh, went to sleep in the early evening, and just set up that that kind of uh, camp. You know what it's going to take. You know when the fight is scheduled. You know when you're going to fight. You know all this in advance. If you don't adjust to that, well, that's your fault. And if your adjustment is to get drunk, well, that's just dumb. So the excuse, and it is an excuse, is silly. 
And to have a professional athlete not prepare properly or not even think about preparing properly is kind of a sad thing when to, to look at. Uh, I would hope that none of this is true and it's just an excuse. But if it is true, it, it's, it's kind of... Uh, it, it says a lot about his camp, his trainers, and his mindset that he wasn't prepared to fight at the time the fight was scheduled. So, yeah, it was it was just very, very strange. Very strange. I guess Hamzat Chemaev is going to fight sometime in the not-too-distant future. I hope that he is healthy. He said uh, that he had got the medical treatment he needed, and his plan is to fight sometime, I think it was in June, and then he's looking at a fight with Neil Magny. That is a good fight. What I hope gets done here with Chemaev, though, is that he gets additional testing from the whatever athletic commission is going to approve him to fight. Now, I know the UFC took care of his medical uh, treatment, and that's great, but that doesn't tell me that he is healthy enough to fight. It tells me he's healthy enough to, you know, recover and live a normal life maybe. But it doesn't tell me that he is fully recovered, that his lungs and his cardio and his cardiovascular system are okay. He had a long time to recover from COVID-19 he, and he struggled. And because of that struggle, I hope he gets a, a thorough checkup of everything, of his heart, because we know there's heart-related issues, of his lungs, because we know there's lung-related issues. Um, basically, a full top-to-bottom deep, deep uh, physical to make sure he is recovered and to make sure that his body can sustain, can uh, deal with the stress that's going to be put upon it in a five, possibly five-round fight. And... If he has long-lasting repercussions because of COVID-19, well, then he's probably going to have to retire. And that's unfortunate, but we don't know what the long-term effects of COVID-19 are going to be. I'm going to guess that some athletes are never going to fully recover. It's, like I said, unfortunate, but I think Chemayev could be in that boat. And if that is the case... I feel sorry for him, but he's young and there's no reason for him to fight if it's going to be dangerous to his uh, to his future. And I hope everyone involved with this does the right thing, and that includes his camp, the UFC, and whatever athletic commission oversees his next fight. So I hope he's well, and I hope it's handled correctly because no one needs someone... Um, fighting when they should not be fighting. So we'll see what happens. And on that note, I'm going to call it a day, and we'll uh, come in tomorrow. We'll start to get ready for uh, UFC 259, which is, on paper at least, the best card we've seen in quite a while. So until then, everyone stay safe.